Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is July 3rd. I hope you slept well. I know my neighbors were very much enjoying last night and the fireworks. Um, it is wonderful to have you all here at worship this morning. Romans chapters 12 through 16. Brothers and sisters, I've spent so much time writing to you about how we are now one family, Jews, Gentiles. We are siblings in the way of Jesus, a chosen people. But how do you do this? How do you live as one family? I have an answer. The Jews call this halakha, and you Gentiles will call it ethics. So let me talk to you about what it means to live in this new community. Most importantly, and I cannot say this strongly enough, orient your lives towards Christ. Use your everyday living, your very body as a living sacrifice to God. By doing so, honoring God in your word and action, you are worshiping God in the most pure way possible. Don't be distracted by the ways of the world. Don't confuse others' way for Jesus's. Wash away that kind of thinking. Live fully in the Spirit. Let it carry you through the world so that you can fulfill God's good and perfect purpose for you. If you do this perfectly, then everything I, I am about to write is frankly going to be useless for you. But all the same, perfect listening to the Holy Spirit is hard. And this world is complex. So I am going to go on and offer some guidelines of using this, some advice for living the God-Christ-centered life. First, you are all equal before God. None of you are greater or lesser than another. There is no need for that kind of pride or arrogance. Instead, consider yourselves and consider yourself with clear eyes. For while we, you are equal in status, you are also each gifted uniquely. God has blessed each of you with a strength to lean into. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You are also blessed in weakness. No one can be a believer by themselves. We lack that capability. We need one another. Just as a body needs many organs to live well, each fulfilling their function and serving to help cover for the weaknesses of others while having their own weaknesses covered. The community is like a healthy living organism. Every part must work in harmony. How? Through love. Sincere love. 
love that isn't selfish or half-hearted. Your love for one another, for the way, for God, must be pure. Hate is only reserved for what is truly evil. Instead, you should cling onto what is good. And do not let hypocrisy sneak into your faith. How? Through zeal for the Lord. Practice the tenets of the living faith that, sir, that we were taught through Jesus. Though the outlook of this world can often seem dim, do not despair, but be joyful in your hope for Jesus. Be patient as the world goes through its birthing pains, as the ground moves between your feet, and never forget your prayer life, for that is your connection to God. Be generous with what you have. Throw open the front doors. Celebrate with those who have reason to rejoice and mourn with those who are weeping. Welcome those of low station to your bosoms as brothers and sisters. Erase your conceit. Erase your arrogance. Act in love to those who spit on you. Bless those who will do you harm and do not repay evil with evil, but with love. The day of the Lord will come soon enough and God will handle them with perfect justice. But for now, care for those that hate, for, that hate you and show them Christ's love do in, to do any less. That is hypocrisy. Some of you are probably trying to struggle, are probably struggling with this. After all, it seems that day by day, we of the faith of the way come under greater scrutiny of the world, those, in, those in positions of worldly authority. Let me give some advice that is both practical and God-centered. First, remember that Jesus taught us to make ourselves right with those before a squabble lands us in front of a judge. I reiterated this to the Corinthians some time ago. Why? Simple, it's not good for anyone. The nail that sticks up higher than the rest is the one who gets the hammer. You don't need to be obedient to governing authorities. Your obedience alone belongs to God. But accept that they are in charge and live by their laws as far as you can. God gave us order out of chaos. A human government reflects this. Our ability to organize, to create laws, is a gift that comes because humans are the reflections of God who creates order. Causing purposeful chaos is to go against God's ways. And what, and what one receives for causing chaos is what they have created for themselves. For if you do the right things, then there's no reason to fear the government. All governments are God-reflective in that they maintain peace and order. So listen to those in charge for your own safety, and more importantly, for the safety of the community to preserve order. Give what you owe, whether it's taxes or tolls, fear or honor. But there is one debt that you should remain in arrears, and that is the debt that you owe one another, love. If you are paying that debt as fervently as you can, then you will fulfill the human law as well as the natural and the given law. All the teachings of the Torah are based on these simple words, love your neighbor as yourself. 
violence harms. Breaking vows of fidelity harms. Taking what is not yours harms. Causing strife for your envy harms. The teachings of God lead us away from harm and towards love. And love is the fulfillment of the law. Do all of this with the knowledge that the day of the Lord is at hand. The night of sin is about to pass and the sunrise of God will burst forth over this land, bringing about the kingdom of heaven. Put away, put away those things that you carried during the night of sin. Put on the armor of God. Do not engage in the actions that people hide in darkness. Set aside drunkenness, debauchery, and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of fleshiness. Now I know. I know that even with all of these directions that you will still not agree what a spirit-filled life looks like. For instance, some of you will eat whatever you like. You do not care where the meat came from. You do not care if it was presented to an idol. For you know an idol is only human-shaped matter. It is nothing but wood or paper or plastic or metal or stone. But do not look down on those who avoid the meat. They are being careful to follow the given law to avoid any semblance of idolatry by sticking only to fruits, veggies, and grains. That is where their faith is, and you should not judge them any more than they should judge you. You are all God's children and servants. You are equal before the holy. So do not get your panties in a bunch if some hold that one day is holy and another, others think that all days are equal. Judgment is not meant for those of equal station. When people eat meat, they do so, thanking God, using its sustenance to further the kingdom. When people eat vegetables and avoid meat, they thank God that they can avoid meat and then use their sustenance to further the kingdom. It doesn't matter if they worship God on Saturday or Sunday or any other day. They are worshiping God, and that's all that matters. We do not live alone. We live in community. We live our lives for one another. We die for one another. Just as we live and die for the Lord to whom we all belong. Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected for all of us, living and dead. One day. One day you will find yourself before the throne of the one most holy and you will have to give an account of yourselves. Will you have used your time here to bicker over stupid disagreements? Will have you used your time here to sow division instead of love? So, let me make this clear. Stop being so judgmental. If you have time to be judgmental, then I've got a better idea for you. How about instead on Instead, work on helping the faith of your brothers and sisters to ensuring that your actions are not causing them to suffer. I have been convinced that through Jesus, nothing is inherently unclean. Head cheese? Clean. Wine? Clean. Watching football Sunday afternoon? Clean. 
thinking Top Gun is overrated, clean, and fair. Making silly pop culture references during a sermon, clean and funny. However, however, just because something is clean doesn't mean it's good, except silly pop culture references. If your actions become a stumbling block to others, causing them harm in their faith, causing them distress, then you are not acting in love. Do not let your actions keep anyone from salvation. Do not make a mockery of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The kingdom of heaven is not about earthly things, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So, brothers, sisters, live carefully. Live for the salvation of your brothers and sisters. May your every action work towards communal peace and improvement. You don't mean to argue about these things that maybe it's best to keep private. Do things in love. Do things in faith. And whatever does not come from faith living, I assure you, is sin. For if your faith is strong, if you are assured that you can step over every pitfall that this world throws at you and not engage in the sin, that's great. But I will tell you that there is a pitfall that is hard to spy, and we so often leap into full uh, with both feet. The pitfall of hurting those who are not strong. You, every one of you, is responsible for every other one of you. If you do what pleases you and it causes the struggle for someone who is weaker, you have done a disservice to them and to Jesus. For Christ kept this in mind. He lived uprightly. He gave only trouble to those who were considered strong, never those who were weak. Your lives should reflect Christ, but remember that your living also reflects upon Christ. Reflect the God. Reflect the God of an unending endurance and encouragement. Have that attitude with one another so that with one mind, one voice, you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Do not let your disagreements get between you, worshiping and glorifying God. Do not let your squabbles keep your hands busy with work that doesn't bring about the kingdom. Jesus was a Jew. He came to serve the Jews. He came to fulfill the promises of the Jew, to the Jewish patriarchs. But he opens that up to the Gentiles so that they may join in salvation. As it was written long ago, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all peoples extol him. And as Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope and power, or hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I know with full confidence that you, brothers and sisters, are good people. I know that you believe in the good news. I know that you strive for the living faith. I know that you study, and I know that you think about God constantly, and you are competent in your faith, competent enough to teach others about the way of Jesus. But I also know that I've probably upset some of you. Please do not take my bold words to have meant harm or insult. They are meant from a place of love, and they are empowered by the gift of the Spirit. Jesus called me to be the apostle to the Gentiles. It is a sacred duty, and I take great care in it. For I want to steer all people in my care correctly so they may achieve salvation. I write to you only about what the Spirit has pushed me to write about. I venture no words that the Spirit hasn't put on my tongue. I go no place except for where the Spirit has led me. From Jerusalem in the far southwest, I'm sorry, far southeast, to Berea in the far northwest. If I have one ambition and one pride, it is in this work that I have been blessed with. And it is in the starting of churches where there were none before. I'll let you know um, where none before. I want to fulfill those words that Isaiah spoke. Those who were not told about him will see. Those who have not heard will understand. This is, I'll tell you, the main reason I haven't made it to you in Rome. Because you've already received the good news. But I think that I will be stopping by shortly. I have spread the good news everywhere between Greece and Asia and Judea. And I think I need to move on to new lands. And I'm thinking that Spain would be a great place to start. I pray that I may stop and stay with you for a time as, head, um, time as I head there. And I pray that you will support me in this ministry. But for now, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. The churches there have taken, and the churches around here in, in Greece have taken up a fund to help the church in Judea. As you know, there was a bad famine, and though things are better, the church there continues to be oppressed, and its membership is not recovering very well from this famine. The offering is out of love and generosity. For the churches of Greece have recognized the importance of the Jewish believers in Judea. They were, have gifted the Gentiles with the spiritual gifts as well as our spiritual history. And now the Gentiles bless them back with material assistance. Join me in prayer that my trip there will be safe and I will be able to avoid all trouble and deliver this assistance to the needy believers. After this trip is done, then I will begin my trip to Spain. The peace of God be with you all men. Lastly, my brothers and sisters, I must send some greetings. Firstly, I ask that you take care of this, our sister, Deacon Phoebe of Checheria. She has taken on the duty of delivering this letter to you and reading it all aloud. She has given much of herself to many, myself included. I pray that you will extend the same to her while she is in your company. Greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who supported me and offered me shelter and family in Corinth and Ephesus. They were and are the pillars of many churches here in the East, and they are sure, and they, I am sure they continue to be as they have returned home to Rome. 
Greetings to the church that meets in their home. Hello to Epitus, first convict to Christ in the province of Asia, to Mary, the church builder and evangelizer, to Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. To my dear friend Ampliatus, to Urbanus, the evangelizer, to my dear friend, the leader Stychus, to Apellus, who has undergone so many trials in great faith for Jesus, to the households of Aristobulus and Narcissus, to my Jewish brother Herodian, to Typhena, Typhosa, Persis, and who are champions of the church and have brought many to faith, to Rufus, in whom the spirit runs rampant, and his mother, who I call my adopted mom, to Philogus, Julia, Nerissus, and his sister Olympus, all of whom the Lord's people, um, and all the Lord's people who are there with him, greet one another with holy kiss. And to the churches, and all the churches of Christ send greetings. Now I urge you again, watch out for those who cause division in the community. Don't pull them into your orbit. They are not serving the Lord, but their own stomachs. Watch out for smooth talking and beware of flattery, for they are good at deception. Everyone has heard of your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My protege Timothy also sends his greetings, as do my Jewish brothers Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. I write a note from Tertius, who serves as Paul's secretary and recorded this letter. I also, too, want to send my greetings. Now back to Paul. Greetings from our gracious host in Corinth, Gaius, and the church that meets in his home, as well as from the director of public works, Erastus, and, of course, Quartius. Now, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with the gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of a mystery hidden from long ago past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to thank you all for bearing with all the names. If you'll uh, stand and join in our final hymn this morning. I want to thank you all for coming on this journey through the entire book of Romans. That's why I include the 16th chapter, even though it's a lot of fun names to say. Because we really go from verse 1, chapter 1, till, well, whatever the last verse is when we do this. Because the books are full entities. They are living and breathing. They talk to the ages. They talk to those in the past and give them direction. And we find that we are still lost, even though it's been nearly 2,000 years. I will remind you of Paul's main thrust in Romans. We are one. We are Christians. We don't have to agree. 
We don't have to believe the exact same thing, and that's okay. As long as, one, we love Christ, we love God, and two, we put others before ourselves, and we love them with all our hearts. So, as we conclude the book of Romans, I want to read this, this, one, this blessing once more, because it's one of my favorites, now that my pages have all been messed up. Let's use this as a closing blessing for the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the love or by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.